Thanks for joining us and welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Periodically, we'll bring you true stories of angelic encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. When we come back, we'll begin our next episode. Are you looking for a good quality used car, but don't want to pay an arm and a leg? Well, come into Rainy Used Cars. We have the largest selection in the Southeast. Whether you want a pickup or a quality SUV from mom, you'll find a variety of vehicles to choose from. We even finance. So come in today. You'll find a Rainy Used Cars located near you. Hello again and welcome back. In today's program, we'll highlight the near-death experience of Ken Johnson, who's just an average man who had an experience in the hospital. He was recently interviewed on Everyday Miracles podcast. So now here's the near-death experience of Ken Johnson. Okay, welcome back. This is Julie with Everyday Miracles podcast. And I am super excited for today. Um, I have a very special guest, as I always have a special guest, but um, I feel like today is extra special because the message that comes through with this experience is really the whole reason I created this podcast. And it's the underlying message in every single story that we share. So um, with that, um, I have Ken Johnson here with me. Hi, Ken. Hello. (laughs) And uh, Ken uh, was an air traffic controller for 36 years, and he had an amazing experience. Um, Well, it was actually prefaced by something very traumatic. Um, He got very ill, and we're going to go through all of that. But um, during this, he had an experience where he had a, a heavenly experience, and he had some supernatural things that occurred. And after that, he even had some confirmation that is going to make a powerful, it's just, it's powerful. So, uh, Mr. Johnson, um, can I call you Ken? I guess I should ask you that. Yeah, please. All right. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, one minute story about who you are and your faith history and kind of how things started going downhill. Um, I was saved when I was about 12 years old. Um, I've always been a, a Christian. I just wasn't really, um, heavy into it, if you would want to say. I worked a lot of shift work, so I didn't get to go to church much. Hatsy took the girls, the, the boys, I mean, to church a lot. Um, I had to work shift work, so um, wasn't really, I mean, I was aware of the Bible and read some part of the Bible, but not a lot of it. Um, and had head knowledge to a degree, but not heart knowledge is what Hatsy says. Hatsy is my wife, by the way. So 
to get into it in the, in, uh, the uh, mid-70s, I was in the service and they made us all take a flu vaccine. And back then it was a live virus and I got very, very sick. And uh, so they wrote in my permanent record that I was allergic to the flu vaccine, which I'm not, but it, so it be. So years and years and years and years go by. I'm 58 years old when this happened and I got sick. And one of the crazy things about it was I woke up on a Tuesday morning with a sore throat, went to a minute clinic on Thursday, went to a um, urgent care on Saturday. And on the following Tuesday, which is seven days, uh, my wife called 911 and they took me to the hospital. The first hospital I stayed four, uh, four hours. And then they transported me to the main hospital and went straight into ICU. Uh, I was in the hospital for 84 days total and then went into a rehab unit for 42 days. So all in is 126 days in the hospital bed. When I finally went home, I could uh, walk probably seven steps with a walker. So it was very devastating. I had lost 80 pounds, um, was very, very weak, if you will. And I've been prone for so many days that if they tried to sit me up in the bed, I would get nauseous uh, and so forth. So what happened to me? H1N1, the swine flu, is what I had. We all know this now. We didn't know it at the time, uh, which progressed to uh, pneumonia, which progressed to acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is called ARDS for short. Um, it's very deadly. Uh, I know now that only 5% of people that get it survive. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into it, uh, what transpired. I was in seven different rooms in the hospital because I kept moving from the ICU to what they call a step down or a different room or whatever. I, I was a regular there, if you will. Yes. <laughs> met, met a lot of sweet nurses and CNAs and they're almost like family at the very end of it. We was there so long. During my illness, at the very beginning, um, I was on a feeding tube, of course, and a ventilator, and I had a rectal tube for three months. Mm -hmm. um, so you can imagine it was very traumatic. Um, at the very end, the very beginning of it, I got into um, some jeopardy with my lungs having too much fluid. So they put me in this bed called a rotoprone bed, and it they induced me into a coma uh, to start with because I'm very claustrophobic. And when they put you in this bed, it's like being in a sandwich and they can flip you upside down and so forth in all different ways. Matter of fact, it's, it's so enclosed that um, they sent a CNA in there one time to take my vitals and she came back out and said, there's nobody in there. And they said, yeah, you got to feel for his fingers on the edges and his toes on the edges and so forth. So it's, it's pretty bad. I was in that for nine days. Um, I have scars on my face from the ventilator from being in that bed from the pressure and so forth. While in that bed, I got a deep vein thrombosis, which is a blood clot in my right shoulder. And to uh, try to thin my blood, they tested me for a drug called heparin. And I believe I was borderline on that, on that drug, but they decided to go ahead and give it to me. Mm -hmm. And they did, and I, I uh, reacted with heparin-induced thrombocytopenia. Very serious. Very, very serious. Um, and I nearly perished from that as well. Uh, they, I don't know exactly, my wife can tell you, but they gave me all kinds of blood platelets and, and basically replaced my blood is what I, I remember hearing. Just as a nurse of over 20 years, 
I could do a whole podcast on what you experienced. I mean, you, you are a miracle that you're here, that you know, was, having, oh, yeah. you know, the, having the pneumonia, having the blood clot, you know, having the heparin induced thrombocytopenia, which is potentially devastating. Correct. Um, then you had, um, the acute respiratory distress syndrome, very serious. Um, I know there was a point that you got very unstable and mm -hmm. they, your blood pressure dropped. And, you know, with this whole cascade, what we can see in the hospital a lot of times is especially the infection. Then you had the reaction to the antibiotics I and mean, you can get septic and get into like a multi-stage organ failure and right. death. So you were down to like 5% chance of survival. They pull Hatsy out of the room. And that's when you start have with this experience. Yeah, they actually called the kids in and said uh, the next 48 hours will be crucial that mm -hmm. and so forth. At that time, uh, we've correlated, you know, this is some stuff that we correlated after I've gotten well. So, you know, it's not real time, if you will. But uh, my brother lives in Tennessee in Knoxville and he was home his way home from work. And he's, he tells me to this day, he said, I felt you in the truck with me your presence was right there and he said i yelled no you go back and you fight and he screamed it at me uh simultaneously my uh sister who lives in augusta georgia said she felt me in the car with her and she began to cry and she at that time told god if you send him back please send him back with a bold testimony mm -hmm. um something he can really, really share. So I believe God did that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had a niece uh, that also felt me with her as well at the same time. So I'm in Knoxville and in Augusta, Georgia at the same time, you know, yeah. it's kind of odd, but uh, <laughs> I, it's another reassurance to me that what I'm going to tell you is actually the truth. So I remember it was very, very dark and there was one red flower on the ground and it was kind of like a rose, but not, it's kind of hard to describe if you will. And a voice told me, you have to eat that. That's your food. There's only one, there is no more, but you have to make the decision to eat it or not. Well, I grew up on a farm. Um, I can grow stuff. So I figured, well, I could, I could grow another one. It's gotta have a seed or whatever. And that's all I can recall about that situation. What did he tell you about the flower? Uh, oh, it was sweet as honey to your taste, but bitter in your stomach. But only you can decide to eat that flower or not. So the next thing I recall, I'm in this beautiful place. Uh, I nearly cry every time I talk about it, but there were flowers everywhere. Um, just flowers, just enormous amount of flowers. A sweet, cool breeze blowing with the flowers just kind of easing with the, with the breeze. And colors that you have never, ever seen before. Uh, it's a kaleidoscope of colors that was just so, so beautiful. In front of me was a tree that you can use the word humongous, enormous. There is no word to describe it. It's just the largest tree you'll ever see. People say it's the tree of life. But the most profound thing that I saw was a white light, very, very bright, but very, very loving and soothing. You could almost reach out and touch it. It was almost like a marshmallow, if you will, but it just, it was just so, I mean, it was just right there, but it radiated love and peace. 
just overwhelming love it make you cry and a voice who I, I believe to be God spoke to me and said well it didn't speak it's kind of hard to describe but I was told I love you more than you will ever ever know and I have you in my right hand and uh, it just brings tears to your eyes it's so loving to you I tell people it's like the first time you fell in love times infinity. It's just, it just makes tingle all over you. Um, and then a brother appears. I had a brother that passed away a year prior to this. And he was in his sixties when he passed. Um, he appeared to be like 30 years old, had a white t-shirt on, which I thought was kind of odd, but you know, whatever. And his name was Ricky and Ricky put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you've got to go back you're going to be okay. And I said, Ricky, I don't want to go back. It's beautiful here. And he said, no, you're going to be okay. And that's the last I recall. They had a hard time getting me out of my coma. They took me downstairs uh, for an EEG, which is a brain scan to make sure I was still alive. Uh, at this point, I'm on hundred percent oxygen. So I'm basically on life support, if you will. Mm -hmm. So they took me downstairs and got an EEG and Hatchie was very worried and they came back and they said, he's still here. He's still got brain activity and everything else. And they continued to try to get me out of the coma. I remember my minister telling me they were praying that I would wake up on Christmas day. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if I did wake up on Christmas day, but I was, I was coming around if you will. Anyway, when I wake up, um, I've now, you know, been in a coma and everything and I'm weak. Uh, I now know that the, my pulmonologist told me he had me chained to the bed or strapped to the bed. I shouldn't say chained, strapped to the bed so I wouldn't grab the ventilator. And I can't talk because I got 100% ventilator. And I just laid there and cried. Well, my wife has been with me. We've been married 43 years now. At that time, it was like 38. And she knows me and she knows he doesn't want to be like this the rest of his life. You know, what's the future? I'm laying there crying because what happened to me? I can't move. I can't, what's this thing in my throat? What is that? All I remember was getting in the ambulance as far as, you know, my health wise. Yeah. And the peace just came over me again and said, you're going to be okay. So I said, okay, God. Now, after a couple of days, I said, okay, God, I'm just leaving this up to you. You told me I'm going to be okay. I'm going to take it one day at a time. And my wife happened to find this book and what's the name of the book again? Jesus Calling. Jesus Calling, yeah, mm -hmm. Jesus Calling. And it's Jesus speaking to you mm -hmm. is what it's about. It's a daily devotional. And she began to read that to me each day. And every day it gave me encouragement that Jesus was talking to me and I can relive that you told me you loved me, how much he loved me and I was gonna be okay. And I could re evolve from that. And in 84 days, I finally got to where I could go to the rehab unit and steadily got a little bit better, got to be able to go home and so forth. It's now been five years. I have 50.6% of my uh, lung capacity. I get around pretty good, um, but I'm not great. You know what I mean? Well, you look fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back with part two of the near-death experience of Ken Johnson. Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us each week 
for an exciting and inspirational podcast dealing with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. So tune in each week and share it with your friends. After all, they could use a little inspiration in their life, too. That's the Watchman on the Wall podcast, and now you can find us on YouTube. We continue now with part two of our broadcast of the near-death experience of Ken Johnson. So I want to know, you had two things that kind of confirmed, you know, after you got out, you talked about you would share your story and some people would be brought to tears and they would be right. so touched. But then occasionally there would be that person like, well, how do you know you were in a coma? You were on all these medications and then, and you prayed to God and, and tell us a little bit about that and the confirmation that you got. Well, you could ask my wife before I got sick, I didn't share my faith very much at all. Yeah. Um, since I've been back from the, uh, that I'm a, my minister, what he told the church last Sunday, I have a, I don't know a more godly man than Ken now. Uh, I try to share as much as I can because people need to know. Yes. Anyway, for like several times I told my story and I get, oh, you're on a lot of drugs and you don't know what you're talking about and so forth. So I started praying to God. If I'm telling the truth, it really happened, please show me that I'm on the right path. And for eight weeks I, I did this. And, uh, my mother, uh, who also lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, was 88 at the time, and she could not travel, and she was worried about me, and she says, I want to see you. So, well, let me digress for a second. I have another brother, I have three brothers, older, and my middle uh, brother's the one that passed. Uh, the one next to me, um, we hadn't talked in like two and a half years. Yeah. Well, after all this, I want to try to amend things, you know. So I was coming there, and he lives there as well. So I texted him and said, I was coming to see mom and I'd like to catch up and, you know, try to get this all behind us. And I received no response. So anyway, uh, my wife and I got in the car and drove to Knoxville, Tennessee. We got there on a Thursday at four o'clock. And I say that for a reason, it's very prominent. Um, we're sitting there with my mother who's 88. And she said, let's go get some dinner. And you know how older they are, you wanna eat like, uh, early. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I can't say it any other way than right here on my right shoulder, a voice just said, get up right now, go to Cracker Barrel, get up, very sternly. I was like, okay. So I said, mom, how about Cracker Barrel? She said, oh, that'll be great. We'll just go there. So we got in the car and we drove the Cracker Barrel and we get there. And my wife opens the outside door to Cracker Barrel. They have like a little vestibule there. And my brother that I had texted was opening the inside door at that time. So it was like God was telling me, if you don't leave right now, you're going to miss him. Come to find out he's supposed to be at work. That's why I said Thursday at four o'clock. Uh, his wife was not well and they had gone by there to get some chicken soup for her. So my mother looked at me and said, God did that. <laughs> and we talked a little bit and we cried some and everything and so forth. We're still... We talk, but it's not the relationship I'd like to have five years later, but at least we're talking, if you will. Yeah. So uh, let's see, what else? Sure. Uh, later on, um, I don't know how long it was, I was in church one Sunday. And again, this voice on my right shoulder said, 
tell so-and-so you're praying for her. Well, I know who this person is, but that's just not my style. I don't do that kind of thing. Um, so I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, little later on in the service, again, the voice says again, in a little sterner, tell so-and-so you're praying for her. And I again said, that's just not my, I don't do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't know her that well. So church was over. Um, we have coffee in our church at the very back. And one of my tasks after church is to go clean up a little bit. So I'm back there cleaning up and I look up and there's not a person near me except for this lady. And she's coming right at me. And I'm like, I told myself, I said, well, I guess, Lord, you're going to put her in front of me, but I'm not going to do it or not. <laughs> so here she comes and she wants a cup of coffee. So I just said, okay, here goes. I said, I don't know why, and I don't want to know why, but the Holy Spirit has told me I need to pray for you. Yeah. So there you have it. And she said, well, thank you. And she hugged me uh, lightly and she left. Well, that was pretty much that. And I thought, well, that was pretty easy. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I'm in church in the back again doing something. And this lady's coming towards me again, and she's in tears. And I said, oh, my. She comes up, she grabs me, and she said, I want you to know that I was told just this week that I have um, breast cancer. But I know that it's going to be okay because God told you to tell me that you were praying for me. He already had it taken care of. So that gives me the strength to know that I'm going to be okay. And she is. She's fine now. Had a double mastectomy and everything's fine. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, let's see. You talked to your pastor and you oh. told him about the red flower. Right. So I, my brother, oldest brother, um, is very biblical in, as far as the Bible, if you will. So uh, I called him and we're talking to him and I told him about this red flower and so forth. And he went, well, you don't recognize that? That's in Revelations 10. And I went, really? So I went and read it and I was touched by it. I had never read it before. So I called my minister and I said uh, what I told about my brother and so forth. And he says, we need to meet for, for some coffee or something. So if, if you can't tell already, I'm close to my minister now. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was before, but not as much as I am now. Yeah. So uh, we met for coffee and we're sitting there talking and everything else. And he said, well, let me read you something else. And he read me Ezekiel three. And I was like, just awestruck. And, and it was the exact words of what you heard. Exactly. Yes. And I've never heard this before, except for my when I was ill. Uh, Ezekiel 3 and Revelation 10 both had an angel descend from heaven with a scroll rolled up in their hand. And they both told the person, um, it's bitter as, uh, excuse me, bitter as, sweet as honey in your mouth, mm -hmm. but bitter in your stomach. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I didn't remember if I'd eaten this uh, flower or not, but my minister said, well, yeah, you ate that flower. That was your passage to heaven. Wow. And I'm like, wow, really? I never thought about that. So that was so pretty. So pastor validated that this was a real experience. Exactly, yeah. And then you had another experience with your mother about what your brother, what you saw. Oh, yeah. Um, I had told my mother about Ricky being in a, a white T-shirt, and she went, well, honey, that's, that's what Ricky wore all the time when he was 30 years old. Now, you have to bear in mind that I was in the military and, and he was in the military. He was a jet engine mechanic and they didn't wear khaki jerseys or anything. They wore the white wow. t-shirt. It never dawned on me. That's what he wore when he was 30 years old. Wow. So that was a validation as well that 
he, you know, that's what he wore. <laughs> he even yeah, said yeah. the first time he told me that he even had his sleeves rolled up. Yeah, he you know, sure did. Yeah, yeah he had his like, sleeves rolled up. Sure yeah. <laughs> that is that's amazing. That is yeah. so amazing. Um, I want to ask you just um, kind of a, a, I mean, the message that you got mm -hmm. that God spoke to you mm -hmm. was so beautiful. Um, I know that people, that's obviously huge part right. of this whole thing. Um, the fact that you survived this, that you had this amazing experience. Um, I know that a lot of us kind of try to imagine what you experienced and just for fun, like if you had to think of a movie okay. that you've seen that could kind of give people a little bit of an idea of what. Okay. Well, I had a lot of doubts, uh, you know, for, for eight weeks about what was going on because I was being told by people and so forth. And Hatchie and I happened to watch Heaven is for Real. Because I kept saying, how did I go to heaven if I didn't die? Yeah. I never coded or anything like that. And when I saw this movie, I got into tears because the little boy, Colton, he did not die as well. Mm -hmm. He saw his grandfather, and every time they showed him a picture, he said, no, that's not him. That's not him. And then they showed him a picture of him when he was like in his 30s, and he said, that's Pop. And that just reiterated to me that, okay, that's confirmation. So uh, that movie. Then we saw The Shack. And when he walked into the, all the flowers, I grabbed Hatchie and started crying. I said, that's what I saw. That's what I saw. You can't express how many, it's just flowers everywhere. It's just beautiful. Um, the shack. And then we saw, not too long ago, we saw Miracles from Heaven, a little girl. And I tell people that God spoke to me, but not in words. And there's no way to describe that. And this little girl had the same exact thing happen with her, which reaffirmed as well, as far as that goes. So that just three different movies there that we had confirmation that, okay, I didn't really code, but I did go to heaven and I did hear God. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I think it's amazing. And Colton, just to refer back to that, okay. he also had a sister that he met in heaven right. that he had no idea his parents had lost that child. Correct. Which blew, I was on a plane when I read that. I was crying my <laughs> head off. <laughs> Beautiful book. But, um, okay, awesome. And then I know God, there's so many ways that we talked about that God has worked in your life and used you, obviously, to be able to be a blessing to everyone listening, but the women and the... Um, well, even with this, you know, oh, having yeah. to run into somebody... Uh, I'm fighting bl uh, bladder cancer, and I ran into a lady at the, at the uh, Levine Cancer Institute. And I started sharing my story with her and she started, shared her story with me. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, you know, she yes. asked and so forth. God puts people in my, in my past and probably puts them in your path as well. You just don't, you don't see it. You're not yeah. looking for it. Yeah. We had to build a smaller home that was one level that was what they call ADA compliant because I'm not in a wheelchair at the point where I am now, but with only 50% as I get older, I may be back in a wheelchair, but we don't know. We don't know what the future holds. So we built a new home that sold one level and we sold our big home and so forth. And I'm calling um, the cable company to disconnect because we're moving. Mm -hmm. And we did our business and this, I asked her during the conversation because I'll talk your ear off. I said, where are you in the world? And she said, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I said, oh, it's hot out there. And she said, well, you know, it's a dry hot. I said, well, the oven's a dry hot too, you know. <laughs> but uh, we got ready to hang up and, and she said, have a nice day, sir. And I said, ma'am, every day's a nice day. And she went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why did you say that? So I progressed to start telling her my story about heaven and God and, and so forth and how wonderful it was. And we talked for a long time. Um, 
And when we got done, she's crying. And I said, ma'am, are you okay? I didn't mean to upset you. And she said, no, no. Uh, God put you on the phone with me today because tonight I was going to take my life. And you have changed my mind. And I'm like, oh my, that's a heavy burden to put on me. <laughs> uh, but I said, thank the Lord that you talked to me then. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, that was extremely powerful. And you know, somebody listening that might not even have this kind of testimony to bless people with, just the fact that you took a moment with her, like you changed her whole world. Right. You changed her life in a moment. So, you know, some of us feel like, well, what can I do to make a difference? What can I, and just something as simple as, as that, you know, was right. profound. Oh, there's so many things. I wanted you to talk too about the message that you got from all of this, like, just living through it, how, what you felt the main theme was, you know, you talked about just how to, how to live differently now. Well, uh, again, uh, I live every day for that day. Mm -hmm. Every time I get up in the morning, I thank the Lord for that day. Uh, we try to enjoy our life. We try to um, honor the Lord every day. Uh, we, we, we say a prayer every time we pray for God to continue to bless us so we may bless others. Uh, we try to spread kindness. Just yesterday, we're in a restaurant, and there's a gentleman behind me, and he was alone. And I looked over at my wife, and I said, do you mind if I buy his lunch? And she said, no, go ahead. And I turned to him, and I said, would you let me buy your lunch? And he was like, if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was a young man that appeared to be in, in need, if you will. Yeah. Um, I don't want to describe it any other way, but he was very appreciative and so forth. Just like that, uh, just kindness and loving. And uh, I tell Hatsy every day, don't woe for me. If I pass away, don't woe for me. I want you to miss me, don't get me wrong, but I know where I'm going and it's beautiful and I can't wait to go. Oh, <laughs> but I have grandchildren, so I'm not ready yet. You yeah. know, but when the Lord's ready for me, I'm ready to go. Are you interested in scary places? Well, I found a great podcast called Your Haunted Holiday. Each week, sisters Lisa and Lindsay will take you to some of the most haunted places in the world. Their incredible research into how these places became haunted is complemented by their insight into the ghostly activities that are present. They give you information on ghost tours, prices, and much more. That's Your Haunted Holiday. You can go to yourhauntedholiday.com or just listen to wherever great podcasts are found. Thanks again for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Also, give us a like. We welcome any comments or suggestions you might have. We also ask you to subscribe so that you will be notified of all our future episodes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Mm -hmm.